Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Art. I'm Diana Werbicki, the global head of the Withers Art Law Group, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I have the pleasure of asking art-related questions to my Withers colleagues from around the globe. With me today is David Stein, a partner who works in our Connecticut and New York offices. He's involved in tax, trust, and estate planning for high net worth individuals and their families. Before we begin our conversation, I would like to remind you that anything that we discuss in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal advice. David, hello. How are you? Hi, Diana. Good. How are you? I thought it would be fun to give our listeners a little bit of background about the estate planning work that we do with collectors. And so you work with a number of families on estate planning issues. Can you talk us through the initial conversations with families when you're talking about estate planning? What's different in your conversations with collectors? I think there's two main things that we run into that are big differences with most collectors. There's some that break the mold, but for most collectors, big difference number one is their collection is a passion asset. In many cases, they've acquired a substantial collection over a long period of time. And for a number of my clients, they've watched the collection grow not only in size, but really significantly in terms of both economic value, but also appreciation more generally by the market of the caliber of pieces that they may have selected or purchased from an artist decades ago who was unknown at the time and has now become a celebrity. So they feel a personal connection to those assets that they just will never feel anything remotely like with respect to their hedge fund portfolio or their stocks and bonds. That personal collection, that passion is wonderful to see and makes for interesting conversation. I can also imagine that that makes it more difficult at certain times when it comes to traditional estate planning methods. Just to give one example of that, with most assets, they're in the estate. When the person passes away, there's an estate tax that's due. And one of the options for paying the estate tax is that you sell the asset and use the proceeds to pay the tax. For people who are so passionate about their collection, we've had clients say to us, I would sooner sell my children. So the thought to them of having the collection torn apart and sold in an estate sale is just anathema. And so they will go to significant lengths sometimes to try to avoid that outcome. It's tough, too, because with an asset that collectors are passionate about, there's the danger in some instances over planning and holding your hands kind of tied with what happens later. We had an incident where we were working with a collector. We talked to them about the estate planning. He said to me, oh, don't worry about it. It was taken care of 10 years ago. I planned it all out. I've already come up with a list of what's going to my daughter, what's going to my son. He was so sure about it and everything was spelled out. But a plan 10 years ago, since that time, the art collection had created. <laughs> sure. in very different ways. So what he thought he was doing 10 years ago and what he had in his head that the kids were going to get equal shares, because it was so specific in the plan, it would have ended up in a different result had he passed away today. So we had to readjust that. How do you work with collectors on adding a little bit more flexibility in the selection process with art, the plans for the estate? Some people will 
say, oh, I'll just leave the collection to my kids and they'll work it out. And sometimes that actually works. The kids get along well enough. Going back to where we started, because of the nature of these assets and how unique they are, in some cases, there's another dimension to the process because these things don't necessarily just have financial value. They may have sentimental value. A painting may be the painting that hung over the couch for our entire mm -hmm. childhood. So we can't divide it up. The Solomonic solution isn't going to work. We're not going to cut it into thirds and give everybody a piece of it. And sharing it on a time rotation is possible, but also not really practical in most cases. We have had some clients say, no, we need to agree today on a process. We don't have to decide who gets what, but we need a fair process. And so it may be something like if there's two kids, we flip a coin, somebody goes mm -hmm. first, they make a selection from the collection, and then the second person using appraised values will pick pieces that add up to a similar value and you cycle around and at some point you can't equalize and so you need other assets in the estate to make people equal. But that doesn't totally address the emotional value point as well. It's hard to come up with a perfect solution, but ideally people can weigh those factors and agree later. There's a range of approaches that I think we've seen that you can have with art in the estate. And one of the factors into that is whether or not a client has been working with an art advisor, because sometimes there can be more flexibility if they feel confident that somebody else who understands the collection is going to be involved in that process. What has your experience been with working on estate planning issues, estate administrations with an art advisor involved or not involved? Any pros and cons to that from your perspective? I've been involved in more cases where there isn't an art advisor and I wish there were one because we're often faced with a situation where it's actually very hard to plan without a subject matter expert. In one family that I've been working with very closely, we've taken a part of the parent's collection and moved it into a separate vehicle that's mostly managed by the children who are adults in their own rights. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thoughtful about it, but it's very hard for them to make decisions when someone says, oh, I'd like to buy that piece from you. Would you sell it? How do you know whether it's the right time to sell, whether it's the right price point? And also, would it make sense to sell it in conjunction with other parts of the collection that we don't have yet. And so there are a lot of dimensions to the problem that we can't address without an art advisor at the table. We end up making decisions sometimes on the basis of more superficial distinction. This piece is so big that none of us will ever hang it on our wall, so we might as well sell it because we're paying to store it for no reason. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that the advice from an art advisor is tremendously helpful, especially in situations where the collector generation has the knowledge about the art and the children's generation may not have that same level of interest or involvement in the art market to be making those decisions, so it's really helpful. We also have found it's helpful because the first generation may have a deeply emotional connection to a piece, they may not always be as objective as somebody else might be in terms of the value of that piece. And they may be more resistant to the idea of selling it because it's the right time to sell. They remember when they bought it and what they had for dinner that night. And the thought of parting with it is just 
very challenging and the children don't feel the same connection, they don't want to fight with a parent about it. And sometimes having an objective outside advisor come in and say, actually, this is a good time or a bad time to sell is very helpful. It makes those conversations a little bit easier to have. It is often the case that children won't be interested in the art. And so then it becomes a conversation of, is it going to be sold or is there potential to give it to charity, give it to a museum, to have others access the art? And so that's a big part of the conversation that we have with collectors when it comes to estate planning of, is there a philanthropic aspect to the estate plan? And one thing that has always surprised me is that in terms of the tax incentive that you can get if you are to create your own private operating foundation and lend art from that foundation to museums that are already operating, you're not involved in that process or costs related to that, that you can get a very similar tax benefit to that than you can with setting up a foundation and setting up your own museum and running and operating that. There's a lot more involved in that process. And it's not coming from being a tax-driven reason why collectors do one versus the other. What are you finding is the motivation of deciding to start your own museum as opposed to donating directly to an existing museum? There are several. I think it goes, again, back to the passion point. I think when people feel so connected to their collection, they may see the value in lending it out, but it's a labor of love to do all of the work to put the museum together and to hire a curator. It's building something. And I think a lot of our clients have created wealth in the financial field or in creating businesses. And for them, it may be a really engaging project of something else to build that has another type of outlet. They actually enjoy the work and being engaged with it. Pretty much all of our clients, I think, are people who set very high standards and have proven by their own experience that when they're involved and in control of things, they tend to come out in a way that they think is good. By building their own, I think they have a much higher confidence level that it will all turn out the way they want it to, and the pieces will be displayed in the right location, with the right light, next to the right other pieces. I think sometimes people think that it's all about ego and vanity. Oftentimes these other elements are more powerful in terms of driving the behavior. I think it's fun to see that vision materialize in something that the public can share in. There's so many things that we could talk about about this asset, and we've just touched upon a few issues here. But David, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a delight talking about this art topic with you and to all our listeners out there. Thanks for listening. And if you have any follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out.